to the Human and Machine podcast. My name is Yaku. This is episode 27. I have with me co-host Laura for a change. Laura, okay. nice to have you on the podcast. Thank you. Um, I think episode 26, uh, Lenny and I, it is episode 26, 27 episodes already. It's, it's phenomenal. I can't believe it's 27. Mm-hmm. Episode 26, Lenny and I spoke with Almero from CSI um, on the data to information journey for one of their largest mining customers. There was a, a very cool chat with Almero around the value of data, as well as the notion that not all data is valuable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sounds, a, sounds a bit strange, but um, a really, really valuable podcast. If you missed episode 26, have a listen to some of the learnings and sharings from Almero. You will not be disappointed. So this is our last podcast for this year of 2021. Yes, for 2021. Um, I think we, we were able to at least get to all the topics we've set out at the beginning of the year. We've had some mining, we've had some freedom dev, we have had some data. Probably the one topic that we haven't been um, able to cover yet, which we're really excited about this episode for, is around the area of design. Mm-hmm. Many different names, topics, um, UI, user interface, user experience, all those things are wrapped into one package around design, and especially in the industrial automation world. It's something our system integrators often speak about. You've had the request a couple of times. A million of times. How to design better, mm-hmm. things to consider, how to consider mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, it is definitely a topic that, rightfully so, in the year 2021, seems like it's finally getting the attention it's, it deserves. Not even as much as it should, but it's getting We're getting there. We're getting there. Our industry is slow. Um, it's a big industry, big ships turn slowly, but it feels like there's a lot more focus on that. Mm-hmm. And I suppose through the sheer definition of HMI, human machine interface um, the most important or, or one of the most important aspects of hmi design i'm just going to call it hmi design it's a lot more comprehensive than that but is the view on the human that we are actually designing for humans exactly um, so a lot has been said on the topic over the last couple of years this episode 27 we're really excited to we're not the experts <laughs> to bring a, to bring an expert opinion and view to this. Somebody that's in the space that has been working around um, the industrial automation design, not just industrial automation, but design in general, and get a different perspective. And, and hopefully, I know we're going to get some good advice and tips and just things to consider for every, anyone wondering. Starting a new project, starting a new application, where to start, what to consider. Um, that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited about this one. It's a little bit different to what we usually do, Mm -hmm. but such a hot topic at the moment. Definitely. Cool. So uh, please welcome to the podcast, Ray Sensenbach, who is a product design manager with Inductive Automation. Um, Ray looks after, or at least as the manager of the product design team of the software engineering department. So Ray, if there's somebody with um, good sharing and good insights on the topic, it'll be you. Thank you very much for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for the introduction. I'm definitely happy to be here and happy to talk about design anytime. Um, it's a, obviously something I'm very passionate about and uh, something hopefully I can uh, lend some expertise on to folks that uh, maybe don't have that expertise or, or seem to be in this industry slowly uh, getting the need to gain it. Definitely. Definitely. And I think we, we, like with most other topics in our industry, we almost have to, I don't want to say dumb it down, that sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> But you have to sort of simplify um, to be clear, to be kind. So sort of simplify some of the some of the things that's perhaps a little bit for engineers at least, perhaps a little bit threatening, mm-hmm. a little bit outside of their comfort zones, <laughs> which is right for us. 
Um, but yeah, we're looking forward to that. So maybe maybe let's kick it off with um, just your your background uh, in terms of uh, being with inductive automation, doing what your team uh, uh, do right now. How did you sort of end it up? Yeah, I, I imagine you you're a designer by trade originally, and now you with with us in the industrial automation space. Yeah. So so my background, um, I actually studied graphic design in college years back. Um, and slowly transitioned just through um, self-learning, le- self self-teaching, that kind of thing um, into the UI UX space. And uh, just sort of always a tinkerer, always driven by learning um, in a personal level. And uh, graphic design for me was a little bit uh, short-sighted. So I-, I slowly transitioned into the UI UX world just because there's uh, you know unlimited possibilities here, unlimited learning, and it sort of was a better fit for me uh, career-wise. But really my career started down um, uh, down south here in San Diego at uh, Hewlett Packard, where I was a UX designer in their research and development uh, department, and uh, we were working on things like uh, you know augmented reality, and this was kind of right around the time that responsive design uh, came onto the forefront. Mobile design was becoming much more important around that time, um, but really, my my time at IA was begun about five years ago when uh, I moved up to the Folsom Sacramento area just to you know, get the family to a little bit more of a family-friendly area, but I've been with the company about, you know, five years now, and uh, I was hired to essentially help design out the perspective module. So I was the uh, first designer hire on the software development team at IA, and um, yeah, just sort of immediately noticed the the lack of uh, UI, UX design expertise in in this industry. And again, you know, bring it back to sort of my shift in, into the industry itself. I, I'm driven by learning. And again, this is an industry where I'm, I'm always asking questions. You know, there is, again, this, this unlimited um, amount of information out there. And this is just constant, uh, you know, there's, there's no ceiling, right, as far as what I can learn. And I love not being the smartest person in the room. And yeah. I definitely, in that case, in this industry, uh, most of the time, which, which is great. So uh, yeah, uh, hired hired to work on perspective and and sort of bring my mobile expertise to IA, um, and since then we've we've obviously staffed up quite a bit, and we we now you know full full product development team, product design team, uh, full QA team, full development team, and we're all within that software engineering department where we can you know work really closely together and and uh, iterate on on the product, make it better. Yeah, so my first thought, Laura, when I thought about when you, you mentioned perspective, and maybe maybe for for those listeners that are not familiar with ignition perspective, like to us it makes oh yeah, design on ignition perspective. Makes sense. Uh, sure. Maybe so for us for us to us it makes perfect sense, but maybe for a lot of other people it doesn't. So maybe from your point of view, hired to design in perspective, maybe you can give us a, a quick um, overview of why perspective and why that is such a relevant statement. Um, we, something that sounds a little bit unusual, but why does it make sense in the case of perspective? Yeah, absolutely. So um, Ignition is a modular platform and we, we previously had a visualization module, which we call Vision. And this is a primarily desktop-based application, can't be run on HTML, CSS devices. And right around that time, when I joined the company in 2016, 2015 or so, uh, obviously the explosion of mobile devices already happened. And and this industry was starting to notice that we obviously need 
um, you know, access to user data on the go. We, we sort of get so used to having our phones in our pockets and we can have access to everything else. It's kind of like, why not now make that leap to being able to control our industrial applications um, from our own personal or, you know, company devices. And, and so perspective is a, another visualization module, which we designed from the ground up to be based on these web technologies. And essentially that just gives us access to run sessions or clients in the browser, um, which really opens up the access to you know, anything with a, with a network, any device with a network, any, any system, any HMI. Um, and, and now we've sort of expanded it to include you know, mobile applications, which can natively run Android and iOS, as well as um, the workstation uh, application, which runs natively on desktops. So it sort of just was the idea of giving, expanding the access to any ignition um, project and application hmm. is sort of what perspective is solving. And it's obviously relevant to uh, design and mobile in the world we live in now um, for those reasons. And just because um, it, it requires so much design um, work to, to bring a new visualization tool to life. Yeah. Um, so. And when you, uh, when I think about, so you mentioned a couple of things there, John, it's quite a, it sounds like quite, quite easy and simple, but from a design point of view, I think in terms of designing for function and not for form um, is, is the first thing that comes to mind, especially with something like mobile. I'd love to get into the mobile, mm -hmm. uh, into the mobile stuff. Um, definitely understand how it's different from mobile, but designing for function not form. And I suppose from an engineering point of view as from an engineer point of view, we know engineers, and this is an absolute fallacy, they are friendly, open, approachable people. But from <laughs> an engineer point of view, um, designing for function is actually also for form, keeping in mind that there is a human on the other side of the screen. Yeah. We, we often as engineers, we think of it purely a cosmetic detail. Um, and now all of a sudden, with something like perspective, mm -hmm. it is expanded um, and things like responsive and mobile and browsers, that does change the game quite significantly, which again is probably a little bit outside the comfort zone for a lot of engineers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, it, is, it is sort of a new, new space when you, when you start to have these types of constraints, which, which are inherent with, with a smaller form factor that mobile brings. Um, there are new challenges, and especially in this industry, the amount of information and, and function and data that we're trying to get onto these interfaces is, is quite difficult to do um, in this smaller form factor. But uh, you know, it's too bad that there's not sort of a one-size-fits-all solution, but there are you know, best practices and um, some approaches you can take to to create better products, better applications for, for any space, and especially for the industrial space, which is so um, engineer-centric. Yeah. And do you, um, uh, again, I'd like to get into some of those approaches and, and guides, but do you feel that you probably see a lot of examples? I know you help a lot of partners with design fundamentals and approaches. Do you see a lot of examples? Do you feel that there is a, a shift towards better design or at least more awareness around beta design? I do. I definitely do. Um, I, I have seen it improve quite dramatically in the time that I've been, you know, in the industry, which is, you know, five or so years, a little bit shorter from, from most folks that are around. But 
I do see the desire to get better. Um, and, and most of it is driven, I think, by, by function. I mean, you talk about function and form, it's kind of the UX and UI split that, that we talk a lot about just in the design industry in general. User experience, UX being the sort of function, how it works side of things, and, and UI or user interface being kind of the form or how it looks um, side of design. But they really go hand in hand. And I want to say that the focus I've seen is a little bit more on the, the better functionality. So focusing more on, uh, you know, being that user centric, user first approach, using that approach. And, and generally, you know, the tools in the industry are getting better as well. Um, you know, with perspective, we, we try to give our users or our systems integrators, you know, better looking tools out of the box so that we kind of take a little bit more of that form, that UI uh, burden off of, off of the engineers by giving them, you know, better looking tools out of the box or, or better, you know, availability of things like theming and features like that, which can allow you to um, make things look better in a consistent way uh, without too much, you know, nitty gritty work across an entire application. Mm. Yeah, that makes 100% sense. Um, is there any, um, I just had a thought, I actually wrote it down because if, if I don't forget to ask, is there any research that shows good interface design uh, to increase, for example, operator productivity, decrease human error, um, and just the human change management to make operators feel more at ease? Is, is there any research that you're aware of? I, I remember probably about 10 years ago, people started speaking about situational awareness and the benefits this is 10 years on now. Um, I would imagine by now there would be a lot of at least studies and surveys to prove some of those things. You know, I'm, I'm actually not aware of any specifically in our industry. Um, I'm sure there are, but honestly, my day-to-day -day is mostly designing the tools that, that other folks use to design their tools. It's kind of this one-step remove um, situation where I always say that I design, uh, you know, tools for engineers to make tools for engineers. It's kind of this, you know, leapfrog. Um, so, so definitely, uh, you know, on my side of that, where I am in the UX industry and doing obviously UX design for engineers, um, there's loads of data around, you know, just in the general tech software industry uh, studies and, and data around, um, you know, better user experiences causing, uh, you know, applications and, and platforms to, to obviously run more smoothly, uh, be less error prone, this type of thing. And we, we see it on a feature to feature level, at least in, in what I do with Ignition, where my team regularly um, tests our features with users, you know, doing surveys or click tests or um, mostly prototype based testing. Uh, and we use that data to iterate on, on, the, on the features before they go out and make them a little bit more user-friendly and a little bit more polished, you know, as much as we can, as much as we can. So, I mean, that's at a pretty low level as far as studies, but we're, we're doing them regularly. Um, and, and definitely they exist out there in general at large yeah. in the industry. So the benefit is actually even more so in our space. I mean, if it makes that much sense right. in other industries, the importance of design in our space, it must be, just from a safety point of view, as an example, so yeah. much more important. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, it's just that I think everyone nowadays, especially like you said, the last few years when mm. UI UX became such a massive thing, especially in mobile applications and just applications overall, like I think everyone 
have gotten so used to proper apps, you know, proper mm. interfaces. It's mm. it's kind of like everyone, stuff that looks good, it feels good. Yeah, it's mm. easy to use. It's you know very intuitive. Like, oh, okay, I know these little three. Um, you know, lines at the top of the app means that's where I find the menu, and this mm. is how I scroll through. It's called the so burger menu. The burger menu. I, I, so. Even I know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, I, it's just everyone is so comfortable with the the type of you know design that is um, out you know in the world mm. nowadays. It's it's still. I mean, personally, I don't understand how a lot of people still struggle with design. I mean, it's kind of like one of those things that you kind of be natural. Mm. You know, it should come naturally in a sense of when you start designing. But I do understand for a lot of people that's not the case. Yeah. Right? It's it happens with everyone. Writers get writer block. Um, so so Ray's, what Ray is doing, I think, is the first step in that, making the tools easier, easier. to use and easy to use. Exactly. That's probably the first step to that. Yeah, and that's kind of why I want to get to in the sense of, so you making it a lot easier for people that don't find it easy to design, hmm. um, seeing that that is your, obviously your profession. <laughs> I would really love to know what is one of the biggest things that you have created that you've seen helped engineers, system integrators, end users out there really use and that like you can see it made a massive impact on the way that they design. Make does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be too high level, but I would I would again go back to the perspective module itself in all honesty. Um, just the ability to to create you know full industrial scale applications in mobile browsers. Um, or any any browser, excuse me, has opened up, I think, a, a massive door for, for all of these other things that you're mentioning, like mobile design, like um, responsive design, like uh, these, these applications that are available anywhere at any time. Um, and really the module itself um, and, and all of the components within it ha have sort of opened up that door. But th that's pretty high level. Um, <laughs> But really, we're focusing right now on things like stability and, um, you know, much better performance and creating a lot of benchmarks that we can share publicly within the uh, platform and just trying to shift away from like a, a very feature driven um, output to, to a much more um, stable product and, and just a better performing application in general, yeah. because we sort of go through these cycles, right, where we're, we're putting out a ton of features and then we're kind of taking a step back and optimizing all of those features to work um, in all of these different situations. So, mm -hmm. so right now we're kind of in that pullback phase where uh, we're, we're focused on giving our users the tools that they need to um, troubleshoot their applications um, and ensure that the, the, the stability is there in, in, their, in their end products. But yeah, I'm not sure if that answers your question, but it, mostly just opening up that door with perspective, I think, for, for a mobile. Absolutely, yeah. because it's it's so focused on expensive expendability, flexibility, and mobile that it, it, it's the entire module. It does. Absolutely. Yeah, no, just uh, quick uh, comments. I've heard of a lot of people that have never designed anything in their entire life come back to us and tell us, listen, this was made so easy. You know, I could design something in a few hours or in a few days. And 
very user-friendly, very user-intuitive. So high five. High five. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's there's more and more things that we're doing, you know, even just on the education side. So our training and support teams are are amazing at providing more and more tools, like through the Ignition Exchange, we essentially, you know, give away all these resources and examples really of, of how you can use the tool. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is so important because it's, it's, it's the scariest and hardest thing to just be staring at a blank page wondering, you know, where do I start? You know, wh- what do I put down first? How do I build this thing that I have in my mind's eye? Mm-hmm. Um, but even things like uh, the, the quick start feature, which we released, I'm not sure, maybe six, six months or a year ago, um, it, it essentially gives, gives users a pre-configured platform which has you know, an example project, which is essentially meant to be picked apart in the designer. So things like just naming conventions are sort of baked in so that you can learn by, by example of how to properly you know, name and organize your, your layers and your, your components within a project. And, and uh, it has you know, baked in sample tags and, and bits of data to, to kind of get away from that sort of scary moment where you're looking at a blank, you know, brand new, fresh install and you don't know where to start, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> Everyone's that's, been there. That's the intimidating piece. Yeah. Um, Ray, the first time I saw your name was on, um, I think it was a video or an article. It was called the HMI Extreme Makeover. Um, where, oh, yeah. <laughs> I think the intro. <laughs> I remember that. It was quite an entertaining video. It talks about that that everybody loves a, a makeover story. And yeah. I think it was, um, mm-hmm. I can't remember it was you and other members of the team. You actually took a piece of visual design, which in, in, in South Africa, we, in the industrial automation world, we call it the typical Christmas tree that we see on a lot of screens, lots of greens, lots of blues, lots Hello. of dials. And you and the team actually took a, a couple of those visuals and you, you, you did an extreme makeover. And um, to me, I mean, you did stuff called the, it's obviously very design specific, but I think something everybody can do, you did the squint test. There was limiting the use of color that's only relevant, a visual hierarchy, visual noise, but you basically explained a couple of these things that you typically do to show this new visual that is clean, that only shows what's relevant. Is that, are those kind of steps and, and, and things that you do typically the, the the approach that you have with with redesigning stuff like that or even designing from scratch yeah yeah absolutely so it's funny you bring that up that was one of my first big uh you know public speaking events with with ia i think it was at one of our first iccs and i believe i i partnered with stephen fong on that um and yeah. and right so so that approach it, it's definitely still relevant. Um, those are kind of, it's a little bit more U, UI focused. Um, so interface focused and front end focused, mm-hmm. but yeah, those, those, I love looking at an interface that exists and, and rethinking it from scratch um, because you really, you put on your designer hat and, and you, well, essentially my job is to ask questions, you know? So you're looking at an existing, you know, Christmas tree, as you mentioned, and you ask, you know, why, or what are these colors trying to, you um, trying to tell me as, as an operator, as the user of this. And you can kind of slowly um, pick apart the existing screen and, and just make it so much better by um, really drilling down and asking the questions of, you know, why am I seeing this information? Mm-hmm. And, and what, as, as a user, what, what should I be seeing, you know, instead of this maybe? Um, so, so you can kind of 
take what's what's there in that existing talk and and tease it apart to to create, like you said, a much better, uh, more effective screen by focusing on. I think we talk in that talk about um, the difference of data versus information, yes. where, where a lot of right, a lot of folks start with you know data points and sort of pepper them on a screen. But what you really want to start with Whoa. is the question, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, all of the, all of the information. Yeah the mindset shift that I hope folks can make is to switch to um, starting, like you mentioned earlier, with the humans. So starting with user stories, as we call them. Um, and essentially a user story is, is just a sentence which replaces what might be a spec doc or like a data, data spec doc where you're just seeing, you know, this is the data points I need to see on the screen. It's, it's more um, uh, user focused. So these user stories are sort of a formula, right? So you you start with as a blank, I, I need or I want blank, so that blank. And you kind of get the three main pieces of information with these, um, which, you know, they mimic a spec doc, but, but they're much more user centric. And you can write out, you know, maybe five or seven of them for, for an interface. And by starting with that, you really get to the core of, of what the screen is trying to do versus um, you know, just, just data points. And, and by doing it that way, right, you have this user-focused uh, approach, which, which in the end just makes everything so much easier to use for the actual folks that are, you know, on the ground uh, using this thing day in and day out because they kind of help to shape what they're seeing and, and they have sort of the, the reasoning behind why they need to see it so that you can, you can shore up these projects in a, in a better way. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. Like I've heard of that before as well. And that just simplifies the project so, so much. Mm -hmm. I know of a lot of people that usually the first thing they worry about is saying, where do I start? What do I need to do? What do I need to design? What do I need to build? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's great. It's great to tell people, listen, there's a way to do it. Write out a sentence. This is what you need to do, you know, I'm this type of person, this is what I need, this is how I need it. Mm. That's great. I think something like um, where there's also benefit with Ignition specifically, and it, and it sounds like I'm, I'm plugging Ignition a lot, but this is stuff that we've really heard, um, is very often in, in our world, you would see a screen with everything on it. Mm -hmm. Because very often of licensing and, and client restrictions, you know, you um, there's a cost to buying multiple client licenses. So you get one client license that runs everywhere and has everything on it, so everybody can use it. Exactly. Um, so so again, with something like the unlimitedness of of clients um, and the the accessibility that you can create for different people based on what they want to see, that's also opened up that door. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and what you mentioned there, that use case is so powerful, where you're, you're showing different people a different interface, because they have different goals. And it, it just all goes back to this, you know, goal based approach to, to design, where you start with the goals, and, and you design around it, and everybody's goals are going to be different. Mm -hmm. Every user type, um, you know, depending on if they're on the floor, or if they're an exec in their office. I mean, even things like form factors are so different, that you can pretty easily design these different experiences for tailored users um, with the product, which, which helps so much for just efficiency and, and uh, you know, better, better experiences for folks that are using these things, you know, 24 seven. Yeah, definitely. 
So with the, uh, one of the questions that I had is we've seen recently, we've seen a couple of designs where um, it was phenomenal. The, the, the business or the company's brand and corporate identity, um, not all businesses have these, but a lot of the businesses do, where the company's brand and corporate identity and design elements, I mean, some businesses call, they call it a brand voice, where, where this document, this reference material was used in the design of the, the perspective application. Um, so what I really love about that is that it, from a color point of view, um, from a font mm -hmm. usage kind of view, all, all of these sort of approaches, it has the look and feel of the company's website, the company's intranet, the company's everything else, which immediately doesn't make you feel like it's an app that's just been plonked down yeah. that we're using, that it's, it, it feels like everything else. Um, I, I quite like that, and I haven't seen too many of that, too many of those. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point. You, you want to feel like you're, you know, using something that you're, you're comfortable and, and familiar with, which right away gives you a better um, experience in general. And yeah, I don't want to be only talking about perspective, but I do work on it every day. So uh, a big, you know, push of ours recently, again, was was the theming feature where uh, we want to make that easy to do. And, and now it really is where you can bring in your corporate font, you can bring in all of your corporate colors and, and, you know, with some very little CSS knowledge, you can sort of plug them in more or less and just make these sweeping changes across an entire platform or, you know, all of your sessions and, and applications that you're putting out. Um, it just sort of is, again, just another way that these like web best practices, which have been sort of existing for much longer than our web-based um, industrial applications, where we're again, just sort of learning from them and bringing in the, the best and easiest use cases from sort of just the technology space into the industrial space. It's kind of nice almost to be five or so years behind because we can just learn from, from other folks' mistakes and, and, yeah. and bring in just sort of the best once it's sort of uh, all shaken out, you know? Yeah. Why do, you, why do you think we're behind? I mean, it's a, it's a bit of a strange question at this point, but why do you think we're about five to seven years behind? I, I don't know if it's a, a view that it's, you know, there's some safety elements that it has to, mm -hmm. we're too scared to build something. Um, we haven't had the tools to build something. Uh, we, we haven't had the know-how and the, and the educational enablement, but, but I, I thought about why we're so far behind. Yeah. So it's, 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 in my opinion, it's because the space is so much more complex than meets the eye. Um, I've sort of seen this over and over again, where we'll have a new hire and they come in and kind of have, have all of these ideas that kind of are, are so obvious, you know, all these gotchas right out of the gate, you know, you know, we should be doing this. We should be tracking, you know, user clicks across all of the platforms. We, we need analytics in the gateway. We need X, Y, and Z. And, and, you kind of have to slowly open these folks' eyes to the reality of, of just the complexity of, of the industrial space. Like, you know, we can't have any downtime, right? We're running critical infrastructure, like security is so paramount. So you can't make these assumptions like you can with just like a SaaS product where yeah. you have access to the internet at all times. Um, even mobile is a little bit of, a, of an oddball and, and scaring people a bit, you know, having operators be able to control things off off-site um there's just 
so many nuances to it because the safety is critical and, and human lives are at risk and you can't just push hot fixes, you know, and, and oh no, it went down for five minutes that because then somebody lost millions of dollars of product potentially or or safety was was compromised. Like it's just, it's a very different space. So I kind of understand why it's a bit behind, but I do think that we're going to catch up um, a, a quite a bit more, maybe not one-to-one with software technology in general, um, but, but definitely as, as more folks shift and realize that this space, I mean, um, exists, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. Um, I think we're gonna get more and more uh, talented folks not to say that we don't have so many already, like the amount of uh, knowledge and, and skill in this industry has blown me away daily. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to slowly catch up as, as these tools get better. But uh, it's probably good to be a little bit behind, honestly, because we, we sort of have those benefits of learning from others' mistakes and, and being able to have uh, you know, security and safety still be paramount. While keeping the intrinsic safety and security um, top of mind, yeah. And probably also a younger generation of people coming through. <clears throat> it seems like there's a there is a mo- more slightly more native mobile generation yeah. in our industry now that feel more comfortable with, with the design and the approach. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So you mentioned designing for the user. Um, I want to I want to find out. Oh, right, is there a five-step guide? Is there some mm-hmm. references that we can we can point folks to in terms of um, starting with the fundamental departure point of designing for the user and what they need and what they have to see? Mm-hmm. Uh, you 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 have a question? Sorry. Oh no, it's just yes. I am very keen to get to those those tips and tricks from Ray. Um, no, I just I think before we do that, I just have. A very quick thing that I think will be pretty cool to know. So you mentioned the uh, um, a bit earlier about the CSS and HTML, you know, things that's going on in perspective. And I know a lot of people, when they hear CSS and HTML, they kind of mm. freak out a bit because they have no idea stuff. what it is. It's web designing. That's mm. not Python coding. We don't know how it works. Please help. So, like... What would you tell people that have never worked with design before, like ever, when it comes to those type of things, especially the CSS part, um, you know, how to, uh, what do you call it, uh, work with the components, how to manipulate them, how to bring in colors or whatever it is. In terms of disclaimer or advice? (laughs) (laughs) What what type of advice would you give them in the same way? Because it's stuff that's new to our industry. Exactly. Where should they start? In terms of learning. In terms of learning. You Mm. know, I know I've obviously personally worked with perspective. It's really easy, very user intuitive. I mean, it's not complicated, but some people like to do a, a little course here and there to go and read up a few articles, check out videos. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so I would kind of go to what you just said, where, where you've used perspective before and, and you noticed it was easy to use and intuitive, right? So that's, I mean, obviously by design, that's my job, but um, that's, that's, so we purposefully abstract away from the HTML and CSS and JavaScript, which is actually running obviously the web front end. Um, and we do that so you don't have to learn those things, honestly. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you are still interacting with components in a, in a 
you know, WYSIWYG environment. You are what you see is what you get. You are building components, you know, with, with building blocks and you're building up your interface visually, meaning mm-hmm. that you're not looking at a, at a blank, you know, code sheet and writing out lines of code. It's very different in that you are um, essentially visually piecing together your project. And, and with that in mind, like hopefully that's, that's a much easier way to build up a web application or an industrial application. But definitely there, there, there are benefits to knowing uh, the ins and outs of CSS specifically mm-hmm. um, for, for styling and, and manipulating the, the properties which we present in a JSON yeah. format. But again, you're not manipulating CSS directly. Again, it's, it's abstracted in a way that is hopefully much more human readable um, to, to interact with. But definitely understanding CSS and Flexbox specifically for, for positioning and, and layouts that can be a little bit more flexible. Mm-hmm. Um, Flexbox is a you know, web technology used for layout and we rely on it pretty heavily for um, most of our positioning. Yes, mm-hmm. okay. it's great to... It's a good note. It's a good note. We can add that to the footnotes here. Yes. Right. It's definitely, um, it's one of those. So it's one of our containers specifically. And and it's, uh, it's, it's definitely one that is feels foreign to people, like you're saying, uh, that they might be a little bit, you know, hesitant to jump into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but once you do learn a bit more about how the layout tool works, you, you'll find that it's kind of the only one that you do use because it, it is so flexible. Um, and it's fairly intuitive as well uh, once you kind of understand the, the basics. Um, so, so learning there, learning on yeah, Flexbox and CSS specifically, I think would be, would be a good, good thing to do. And, and again, luckily, it's, it's, this is the web space, so there are hundreds of thousands of, of very solid free resources on the web to, to learn these tools. Yeah, and I know um, Inductive University specifically has uh, that elective study, How to Build in Perspective. Mm, and yes. that's just for everyone listening that obviously knows mm. about Inductive University, really go and check that out. It's, uh, yeah, it's an elective study. And sheesh, there's almost... It was added recently, I think not too long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Two months ago or so? Yeah. Yeah. Approximately. No, a bit, bit earlier. A bit earlier. Yeah. Oh, okay. okay. But there's a lot of good videos I know that I've worked through myself that teaches you the perspective and basics, how to <clears throat> create bindings, adding mm. great navigation. I also like the articles that you guys have done on tips on how to improve HMIs. Um, just to quickly get back to you spoke earlier about, you know, having your fundamentals in place. It doesn't matter if it's 10 years ago or today, fundamentals always stay the same. And mm. there's a great thing about how to, um, what do you call it? Uh, I think it's uh, emphasis, yeah. Mm. How to put emphasis on different components in a, in a uh, especially as a HMI screen. Mm. doesn't matter what type it is, but just to understand that will simplify mm-hmm. designing so much. Mm. On, on your point about, uh, perspective and some of the learning, Ray, we, we had a couple of system integrators that probably, I want to say, 10 months ago, <clears throat> we, we, have, we were having a conversation about um, web designers and getting front-end designers on board in their teams, and we were discussing the notion and the value of it and the, and the need, um, and I think it would absolutely be valuable, it would help, there would be a lot of really good things that come out of that, but 
Um, all of them, they haven't done that. And I think that maybe speaks a little bit to the, the, the power and the flexibility and the ease of use of what you mentioned with perspective. Again, we're playing, yeah, they they're playing could, perspective again. Yeah, but they could figure that out themselves. Shows the value that the difference a tool can do. Exactly. The knowledge you need. True. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So when that question comes up for me, I generally sort of shift it to, like you mentioned, I think the tool itself is is uh, WYSIWYG enough and, and intuitive enough for anyone, any engineer to pick it up and run with it. But I think the real um, beneficial hire in this industry is going to be a little bit more on UX designers mm-hmm. where... Um, you know, because every problem is contextual and that the solutions are all different based on, you know, a thousand things, you really need somebody in there asking these questions that, um, you know, and testing your assumptions is basically on, on what you're building and why. And that's sort of where user research and, and user experience designers can, can really um, bring a big benefit to, to these applications in the space. Hmm. Cool. I'm just uh, looking at our time. We were, we were on the design approach uh, we spoke about <laughs> designing for the user and what they need yes um, the tips and tricks tips and tricks any any further um sort of highlight uh steps or a guide that you think would be valuable to to go through yeah um definitely i'd plug again the the elective courses so there's also one specifically about design uh, which talks about you know every aspect of design from you know typography to layout to hierarchy and things like that, yeah, which again are right mm. sort of the universal right. There's also a responsive uh, module in there video, which is very good and powerful. My team helped write the write that one, um, but yeah, just in general design approach tips and tricks. I'd say again write these user stories up front. Try to get away from the specs mindset. Um, don't reinvent the wheel when you're approaching um, applications. You know, you really need to rely on user assumptions because they're sort of assumptions for a reason. You know, your 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 engineers and operators use other applications all day. You know, whether they realize it or not, be it you know Google Docs or Facebook or whatever. And these these best practices for for navigation, for layout, for where things you know are on a, on a page on an interface, they're there for a reason because we're used to them. Um, and they're intuitive. So I'd say, you know, with, with things like layout and navigation structures, um, really don't try to reinvent the wheel uh, when it's not necessary. It's mm-hmm. generally um, more work than it's worth. Uh, and then also one thing that, you know, designers do regularly that we don't see folks doing too much in this industry yet is, is just wireframing, honestly. So working at a very low fidelity um, for as long as possible before you shift to um, the actual application that you're building in Ignition or whatever it is. Such a simple and um, obvious thing, perhaps. Eh? Right. It is. People know. maybe think they can't draw, or I don't know what it is, but but really, my job is to draw boxes and move them around. Right. You, you can you can represent any UI with a bunch of boxes and squares. Um, you know, on a whiteboard, on a on a post-it note, whatever it is. The main benefit to wireframing is again it's it's fast and it's cheap but yeah so the feedback that you get from from colleagues and and users and customers is going to be a lot better because they don't feel as bad tearing down a little drawing you know black and white with pencil versus tearing down something maybe full full high fidelity design because uh, they can clearly see that you've put in a lot of effort to this and you've spent time and and money and 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 
uh, man hours putting things together. So by working fast and, you know, quote unquote dirty, you can uh, get to a better solution in, in a lot of ways uh, more quickly. Mm. That's great. I really love, love it that you said it because I like telling people, listen, start with a wireframe and they always think I'm joking. Mm. If I tell them, you know, put out a piece of paper and a pen and start drawing what you want. And they look at me like, uh, are you sure? You know, so well, it's, it's we, great that you Actually, we just it. start and we start designing. We, we're not sure what and for who and, and uh, <laughs> exactly what the sequence is and what the base is going to be. We just, we just start designing. Yeah, yeah. so... It's a great starting point. I agree. Cool. I like the designing for the user with them in mind, what they need, what they have to see, how they interact, wireframing. That's such an important one. I'm so happy you mentioned that. Um, any, anything else? Um, so I don't have too many like really, really specific tips just because everything unfortunately is so contextual and, you know, it depends is my, my number one answer in my job. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I guess I would just say asking those questions, asking those dumb questions is a big part of designing good things. Um, and, and once you have things uh, starting to come together, once you're starting to put together, you know, wireframed solutions for your, you know, user stories, you're going to want to test them and, and put them in front of people and get feedback and then make changes and don't be afraid to, um, you know, if something's not working, throw it away and, and you know, draw up another one start from, from start, start over, start there again. Um, so yeah, really just, we're talking about user-centric design so much, but really mostly you're going to be talking to users and, and whether that's iterating with them on how an interface, you know, works and comes together or whether that's writing those initial user stories, being user-centric is, is, is obviously key, but mostly what that is, is talking to people. So getting out, getting out there on the ground and talking to folks, it's going to make everything better. <laughs> awesome advice. Um, I, I, I love what you said about asking the dumb questions or being the person that asked the questions. I think probably in this realm, like with many other areas or, or industries today, I think it's more important to be the person with the questions than the person with the answers. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's super important to, to have that philosophy. So I, I agree with that. <laughs> um, Laura, any, we've already, um, sure, we've, we've taken a lot of your time. Ray, any, any other questions or comments for Ray? I have a lot, actually, but I will not be asking. We can maybe have a follow-up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I definitely asked, I think, some of the very relevant ones now. Um, I don't know, maybe later on when we do this again, I would like to delve a little bit deeper into it, but not today. I'm sure it's going to evolve as well. And as we see a okay, shift from a shift, more of a shift from UI to UX, as you mentioned, where we incorporate other ergonomic mm. type things and, and broader views on control rooms and things like that. Yeah. Maybe it'll be valuable to have yeah. another, another catch up thing. Because what I've seen is... Um, I think a lot of people understand the basics now, mm. and now they're starting to move into the more complicated aspects of the de the designing. So we're starting to ask more complicated questions on how to do things. So very excited mm. for the next. Yeah, time. absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I think more and more folks, like you mentioned, are getting that baseline. And yeah, happy to talk again or or you know follow up in some way with more more specifics because there are so many <laughs> there out there. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, our webinars from past ICCs and things like that are a good resource for some of these specifics. We do a lot of um, teardowns and, and tear ups in these sessions, which can kind of 
uh, give some good examples and, and um, uh, yeah, I guess just good examples of, of how, how you might take an existing application and, and make it much better um, in, in a more hands-on approach, less high level, less just sort of best practices, but um, you know, the specifics are, are out there. Mm. Those are my favorites. Extreme makeover, HMI edition. <laughs> I love that. No, thank you so much for your time. Keep up the good work in designing tools that make our lives easier and, and helping the industry as a whole in that way. Thank you so much for your time. It was awesome chatting to you. I'm sure we're going to do a, a follow-up um, in uh, maybe in a couple of months' time. Um, and we're also going to share a couple of the, the resources that you mentioned. We'll just include that in the in some of the notes as well. And do you mind if, if maybe some people would want to get in touch with you, maybe reach out on, on email, would that be okay? Oh, that'd be fine, definitely. Happy to talk with anybody about this stuff. I, I could go on and on. I'm already going over your time here. Sorry about that. <laughs> okay. Ray, thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, thanks for having me. This was really fun, I appreciate it. Cool stuff. Uh, Laura, this is our last episode for this year, for 2021. Yeah. Uh, as promised, next year in 2022, we'll be back with, I think we promised a podcast with, um, in the mining mineral space, mm -hmm. um, advanced processing. We haven't done that. We started with the mining, we got a little bit sidetracked. Now we're doing design stuff. It's all relevant. Again, if you're not familiar with the Human and Machine podcast, this was your first episode listening. Uh, this is typically what we're all about. We cover topics talking points relevant to industrial automation, manufacturing, um, that aim to enable and to just share some ideas and thoughts. Um, we'll see you in 2022. Yeah, and have a great holiday. Have a great holiday, look after each other and be safe. safe. And thanks for listening and share. We, we appreciate your time. Thanks everyone.